everyone, and welcome back to another episode of Buckeye Dads Discuss. I'm Josh. And I'm Andy. And we're back. Andy, It's uh, it's been a little while since we last uh, booted up the mics and, and, and got going with us. How you been? I've been hanging in there. It's been a eventful couple of weeks at, at the homestead. I, COVID has been, uh, we'll just say 2021 has hit us harder than 2020 and, and not in a lot of good ways. So it's 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 been a rough start to the year, but we're back, ready to go. Got a lot to talk about. So I'm, I'm excited to be back on the air with you. How's it been? Your neck of the woods. Yeah, I mean, we had the initial bump of, you know, Biden becomes president and uh, Georgia, the Georgia Senate races, and we win those or whatever, and beat Clemson, and I'm feeling pretty good. Uh, but man, February has really just felt like an extension of 2020. Um, we've been hammered with snow, uh, record setting snow in uh, Toledo, Ohio this past week. Uh, digging out was not particularly fun. Driving, I, uh, you know, I'm uh, the reason I didn't get my license until I was 22 is just a lot of just inherent anxiety about driving what my parents would call, you know, a, you know, a several ton weapon on the road and, uh, driving in the winter has always freaked me out. And then it goes to a thousand, uh, when you have your own kids in the car, uh, but, uh, made it through. Okay. Work's been horrible and, and busy, but, uh, I'm glad it's the weekend. We, uh, ditch the kids and, they're up at the lake with their grandparents, so uh, hopefully we'll be able to sleep in a little bit, get some errands done, be perfectly boring adults this weekend. Man, the, the thought of a weekend without kids is beautiful, so enjoy that, my friend. Yeah, we get about, uh, you know, these lake weekends, we get about two of them a year, and really, like, I've had this circle on the calendar for, I don't know, the last six weeks, maybe, Um and yeah, I'm going to ring every, every second out of it. So, all right. So any, so much has happened in the news. Uh, there's, there's just a whole buffet of topics to talk about. We're going to start with uh, finishing up again, uh, football. Uh, so since we last talked, we, the Super Bowl came and went, uh, I, I will tip my hat to you as far as uh, calling the outcome of the game. I believe you were on the books early on. Yeah, I how do you bet against Tom Brady? Well, I did and no, I I I didn't put any actual money down, but uh I picked the Chiefs and uh that uh from the very first pretty much the very first drive you could tell this was not going to be a good night for Pat Mahomes. I mean, plenty of men have bet against Tom Brady in the past, so you're you're not the first one to make that mistake. He, I mean, at this rate you probably won't be the last one. I'll play another decade, but I mean, he put, honestly, Brady played fine, but how about the Tampa Bay defense? I mean, that was the story of the show. Yeah, I mean, that, you know, we we talked about it before the game. You know, you pointed out that, hey, uh, Kansas City's definitely got at least one, and I think it ended up being two or maybe even three with reshuffling. Different offensive linemen were out of place and or, and, or not there. And uh, Sue and, and company and the whole one, every, pretty much all those D linemen, really got after Mahomes all game. Yeah, I mean, and I don't think Tampa could have drawn up a better defensive game plan. They Exactly. They were in Mahomes' face all day. They shut down. And, you know, the thing I, w- I was concerned about was in the, the conference championships, Green Bay had their most success when they would get the ball to speedy players out in space and kind of, you know, 
throw that those short little screen options and and get them to the outside and that kind of worked against Tampa but man Tampa was just all over Mahomes to the point that he couldn't even do that I thought the Tampa Bay linebackers did a great job of covering that short stuff I mean they were it was like they were playing like seven linebackers at the same time they were all over the field and that is the worst Mahomes has looked I mean I don't watch I certainly don't watch every Chiefs game but you know they get enough of that primetime spotlight I've seen him play plenty of times and that's the most uncomfortable I think I've ever seen him look. Yeah, so Tampa Bay wins the game over Kansas City 31 to 9. I was looking at the box score before we got started and really like if you compare the two offenses, the yards ended up being pretty close to the same, like passing yards uh were pretty compar- comparable, but I mean the game really comes down to Emma Holmes has two picks. Uh Tampa Bay doesn't turn it over at all. Kansas City went 0 for 3 in the red zone. And they scored, they scored no touchdowns. Tampa Bay had uh, three sacks, which I thought was – I thought that number would have been higher. Ten quarterback hits, and they were just chasing him all night long. You know, I don't think Mahomes even played – with the pressure he had in his face and the, the drops that he had, Mahomes didn't even necessarily play a bad game. He didn't look comfortable, but he didn't play a bad game. I mean, there should have been – did you see that, like, fall-down sidearm throw that he had that hit the dude right in the hand? I can't remember who, what receiver it was, but it hit him right in the hands in the end zone. Could have been the touchdown. I mean, it's it's really hard to put the, the blame on Mahomes. For sure. I mean, it should not be physically possible to throw the ball in some of the ways that he does with some of the angles he has with his arm. Uh, no, I, I definitely don't put the blame on him. I mean, Mahomes, like, hit some of his wide receivers in the head. You know, the ball bounced off their helmets. Um, you know, I'm not going to – you know, I'm not really going to place any blame. Like, the Chiefs had a decimated offensive lineman or offensive line against a very – a strong defensive front and uh you know lots of games are won in the trenches and Tampa Bay has a better uh you know you know front in this game and you know that bore out you know I I watched this game all the way to the end because I'm thinking you know Mahomes magic you know there could be something there there could be something there uh but Tampa Bay handled them quite well uh, another Super Bowl that's uh, kind of a dud but uh you know a, a good night overall yeah, shock. If you'd have told me before, I mean, I I was big on Tampa, but if you told me before the game it was going to end in a blowout, I would have certainly not thought that it would have gone Tampa's way. So, right, exactly. Super Bowl kind of hit me hard a little bit. the The Ohio State games and the Super Bowl, in the sense that, like, you know, this is one of the for sure events where there would have been a party, there would have been a get together, uh, you know, friends or uh, you know, with a larger family group, and we, you know, it was a very quiet night. Uh, we did go over to uh, my in-laws for a very small gathering, and then we went home at halftime and watched the end of the game at home. And uh, normally, we might have had, you know, a couple, some friends over and hors d'oeuvres and beers, and you know, would have, you know, kids would have been playing in the basement, and and just, you know, it was kind of, uh, you know, a very gloomy you know end of the football season and uh you know kind of just reinforces that we're still stuck in COVID hell yeah I don't think there's I mean maybe maybe there's an end in distance site but we we are still certainly within the grips of the pandemic just just another casualty of a, a brutal almost year now yeah I mean and that it was even weird like so uh, I did see a good chunk of the halftime show 
The weekend was fine. Like I don't particularly, I'm not particularly pro or against. Uh, my wife hates the fact that he doesn't have that third E in his name. Um, <laughs> but uh, but just seeing him like march through all the people and just seeing so many people on the field, I'm sure they took precautions and tested and all that or whatever. But it was still a little jarring just to see that many people within such close proximity to each other. And, and, you know, it's, we're rapidly approaching, you know, being in this for a year now. And uh, it's definitely just shaken how we look at things to the core, I feel like. Yeah, I, I mean, that, I, that was a big point of discussion in our house for the first half. I mean, even just looking at the crowd, I mean, that, that was an uncomfortable level of crowd, I think. I mean, yeah. it certainly was for us. It was like, there's a lot. I mean, it's, it's Florida, so if there was any state that you were going to expect it from, it would be Florida, but. And I think a lot of the crowd, this might be apocryphal. I'm not sure, but I think a lot of the crowd was, they invited vaccinated healthcare workers to the game as kind of an appreciation gesture. And then there was, you know, a lot of uh, player family, uh, which they probably would not have been vaccinated. Uh, But yeah, that did uh, kind of jump out at me when I was watching the game. More uh, jarring, I think was, you know, just all the people outside the stadium, uh, you know, and, and just people milling about in the, and the, you know, they did have a boat celebration and parade instead of in-person parade, but there's still just so many people together. And I'm just, it's just hard not to look at every single event uh, through that, uh, you know, that frame of mind. Yeah. I think it's going to take a long time before you start looking at that and saying, Ooh, I mean, the news just came out that the mud hens are going to have 1500 people per game and my first reaction to that was yikes yeah i'm not going to be participating in that not it's me in baseball so let's be honest i wasn't participating in that anyway but right yikes i mean I th- we'll I, see I, I, the baseball season goes forever and you know we'll we'll talk about vaccination uh updates later in the show uh so you know i i guess i should never say never but uh I, it seems pretty low on my priority list uh as once we get into the summer absolutely uh were there any commercials that jumped out at you oh man the uh the ashton kutcher shaggy commercial was pretty funny (laughs) yeah that song came out like when we were in that you know junior high high school i think maybe even a little earlier range and uh definitely one of those things that just sticks in your head and you know we we're in primetime audience for that 70s show. So we have some history with those, uh, those two characters and those two actors. Uh, but yeah, it was that, that definitely stuck out uh, for me too. Any other ones? No, I think that, I think that was the only one that I, Oh, the, uh, the Will Ferrell Norway. Yep. For yep. The, the car. Mm-hmm. I think it was a car company. Is that right? I yeah, can't, I I can't remember what like, it was for. So tell you how was, good that uh, was. It was, I think it was like Ford. It was one of the American cars for like electric cars or electric batteries or whatever. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But that is, to me, that is the right dose of Will Ferrell. <laughs> uh, you know, 30 seconds. Yeah. A minute commercial. He comes in, you know, he, he hits five threes. Uh, he had, you know, he has three steals and then boom, he's out of the game and he goes back to the bench or whatever, you know, just like that, that wedding crashers cameo. So. Uh, yeah, that one stuck out to me. Um, I, I, I just like the pun. I like the Drake from State Farm instead of Jake from State Farm. 
uh, commercial where uh, Drake came in pretending to be a State Farm insurance rep. The Matthew. I did like ha- when Jake when Jake kind of hushed him up and was like, "No, no, 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 not you, yeah. not you." Yeah, 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 exactly. Um, the Matthew McConaughey Doritos commercial where he was flat. I just again, I have a pretty low bar to clear for humor, so I just thought that whole concept was pretty funny. Uh, but the one that sticks out with me the most is the Eminem's like promise apology commercial, uh, particularly when the two women are talking and one of them says, uh, I'm sorry I called you Karen. And then she says, but that's my real name. And then she's like, I'm sorry your name is Karen. And she gets, she gives her the M&Ms. Um, that one was real early on. And, and I thought that was, that's my, that's my one uh, winner from all of the Super Bowl commercials. That, that, that was a good one. So, I mean, I think the commercials that try too hard are usually the ones that fall a little bit flat. I mean, that simple, but you keep the humor simple. And that, that was a good one, the Karen one. Two shows that I will definitely not be watching, no matter how hard they try, are The Equalizer and Clarice, which we got like 8 million different promos for those two shows uh, coming out. And uh, yeah, they, didn't, they did not get me. Got, got to push that CBS All Access, or as my four-year-old calls it, CBS All Asses. We're working <laughs> on oh, wonderful! Yeah, we've uh, just a seg- or just a get off on a tangent real quick. Uh, spelling words have become the new like uh, minefield in my house over the past you know maybe month or so. Uh, my oldest is in first grade, and he's getting to the point now where. Uh, like it's just a pure memorization it's not just like oh all of these words and then ot and you know it's really easy to figure it out like you know it's either like the last uh round was these words are either ou or ow words and you just had to purely memorize them and um uh, after we had one meltdown because he just wanted it to be super easy and, and got some wrong uh i i have taken over spelling word duties from my wife um because i think i think him and i are on the same you know we we process information in the same way and we were able to work it out uh in about 15 20 minutes or so uh but man spelling words that 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 shit is real (laughs) we have a very solid subject split in our house math is me not math is not me (laughs) (laughs) wait how did you become the math expert um yeah, I don't really know, but <laughs> yeah. oh yeah, I mean, I remember both of us had uh, quite a harrowing experience with Calc two and uh, and statistics back in the day. Well, we we had an even better experience with high school calculus, but that might be a story for another oh, time. Yes, absolutely, <laughs> definitely. We'll have to come back to that one. All right, so that's going to put a bow on football season. Uh, you know, we'll. You know, I've been to at least one OSU spring game, and that won't be in the cards this year. But uh, once we get close to, you know, in the August-September range, uh, I'll start thinking about you again, football. Uh, you know, we'll watch the NFL draft, I'm sure, and I, I like to see where all the Ohio State players go. But uh, other than that, football, uh, you are done for now. It's time for basketball. You mispronounced hockey, but other than that, uh, I'm, yep. I'm with you. Okay, Andy. So we're going to take the news uh, chronologically from oldest to newest. Uh, like I said, it's been about three weeks or so uh, since we last talked, but it's been 
uh, in the five to six week range since you and I have talked about news. So we're certainly not going to hit everything, uh, but there's definitely some highlights that we want to cover. Uh, the first thing I wanted to start with is follow up from the January 6th in- insurrection. So uh, we put out an episode uh, two days after the events of January 6th. And I don't think that myself in particular had a great grasp of the seriousness of the situation. If I'm being honest, I would probably say that uh, I would have characterized the uh, the mob outside the Capitol as more of, well, you know, some people pushed their way through the police and they went in the Capitol and then, you know, kind of a group think crowd reaction, you know, people get carried away. Uh, and they they go into the capital as well it's not a huge deal uh yes we do have some you know very tragic deaths that day uh but it's they see more like isolated incidents uh and you know it was really just kind of a protest that got carried away uh and since then my perspective has changed greatly uh and it just seems like this actually was you know a very malicious event uh you know congressmen have you know, described it as, you know, heroin as something that they felt was a threat on their lives. Uh, and your boy, Mike Pence, uh, you know, it really seems like the crowd actually was actively looking for him and had a very ill intent towards him. So, you know, we're about five, six weeks out. What do you think uh, in retrospect, looking back uh, about the, the events of that day? Yeah. I mean, I, th- I, th- I think you hit the nail on the head with, that shit was a lot crazier than we thought it was a couple of days afterwards. I mean, I think the craziest part has been just the, the roles that some members of the house have played in that they were like given tours a couple of days before yeah. kind of helping people out. Just some of the, the things that came out in the impeachment trial. I, I know that's on our agenda too, but just, you know, really how close the mob came to some really serious stuff potentially happening. And then just, just the hissy fits we've seen in the aftermath and basically just the, the unashamedness of Republicans that are fine with what happened. I mean, I I don't know any other way to put it has been shocking. I I would have thought no one would have had any option other than to look at that and say some messed up stuff happened and we condemn this, but that has not been the way the cards have fallen. Yeah. So if you go back to the night of after the, the riot has been resolved, uh, the insurrection, the breach. Um, And you see there's a picture of Josh Hawley talking and Mitt Romney is seated like right behind him. And Mitt Romney is staring daggers at Hawley. Um, And you're like, oh, okay, or whatever. And then, you know, the video comes out where you see this Capitol Police officer, uh, you know, sprinting down the hall and he passes Mitt Romney and he's like, no, 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 dude, like, follow me. Like, you need to get away from here. Uh, and so, you know, stories like that come out where it's like, oh, hey, like, this is actually, you know, grave imminent danger towards, you know, some of the, you know, most powerful people in the country. Again, you know, you had so much of the uh, succession uh, plan was in that building on that day, uh, both in the Trump White House and, you know, with Democrat leaders as well. You know, yeah, and the fact that we still don't really have sincere apologies or my bads from, you know, Ted Cruz and Josh Hawley and a bunch of these people, it's just, uh, it's just crazy. 
Yeah, I, I think the image that is probably going to stick with me from that is the gallows that they literally built and drug in Capitol Hill. I mean, damn. Yeah. <laughs> I don't even know what to say. Like that, even at, at the lowest point of, I mean, 2020 was the lowest point politically where it was like, you know, you were just doom scrolling, at, at least for me, where it was just like, this is the most messed up I've ever seen America. I would have never thought that that was something we would ever see. I mean, that 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 day we saw stuff that it was like, I had like un, unbelievable things happening in our country. And then that the reaction was just, yeah, I mean, some stuff happened, whatever, is was beyond unbelievable. Yeah, that's a good way to put it for sure. Um, and, you know, again, we have, uh, you know, five people, I believe, that day die. Um, but really just some awful things afterwards. I mean, we've had several Capitol Police officers commit suicide uh, since then. Uh, I just want to read a little bit from this article about Capitol Police Officer Jeff Smith. Uh, in the days that followed, Aaron said, uh, this officer's wife, her husband seemed in constant pain, unable to turn his head. He did not leave the house even to walk their dog. He refused to talk to other people or watch television. She sometimes woke during the night to find him sitting up in bed or pacing. And, you know, in the days afterwards, he, you know, kind of drives into work or on his way to work, he puts a gun to his head and he commits suicide. Um, and, you know, there's going to be suicides and PTSD and, and just all this horrible trauma that comes from this day uh, for uh, Congress people who are, you know, barricaded in their offices um, for, you know, these police officers, um, you know, I'm sure there are some people who even who are in the crowd who like, who are now realizing like, oh, shit, like, you know, maybe I got caught up in something, but this is now this horrible thing. And it is, uh, you know, good news, at least to see that, you know, the FBI is finding these people and they are being uh, rounded up. And, uh, and a lot of people, uh, even family members, are snitching on these people to the police. Uh, but, you know, but people who committed uh, some of the worst of these offenses are being found, are being arrested. Uh, and again, moral of the story, don't breach federal property. Like, come on now. Yeah, I mean, I think it's really important to keep in mind that the reason that this happened is because some people were salty that their boy didn't win the election. And I've seen these compared to, you know, the uprising this summer, which is a disgusting comparison because that is that those were protests against people that were literally being murdered in the street by police officers. And this Capitol riot was because your boy didn't win a completely fair election that it's been litigated in court. I mean, essentially constantly from election night. And there's been absolutely no proof in any way that the election wasn't fair. And all of these things, these suicides, these people that were murdered, this national embarrassment. I mean, there was a police officer they were trying to impale with the American flag. Hello, you're, you're trying to be patriots by attacking someone with the American flag? Get the fuck out of here. I, this was because your boy didn't win. I, yeah. I think it's, I, I, I have to always remind myself that like, oh yeah, not only did these crazy things happen, but these crazy things happen because your boy didn't win the election. And then- he got on the Twitters when he was still able to get on the Twitters and threw a hissy fit. Like this, this is a toddler's hissy fit that turned into people dying. Yeah. No, you're all, you hit the nail on the head. And before we move on to the deplatforming of Trump, 
because that segues beautifully into that. Just one quick thing. I just want to make sure that we expand the the pool of of you know people who are culpable in this because yes these people did this because their boy didn't win uh you know again as i as i said in the last episode who are the real snowflakes here um but you know these people have were have also been fed in their very you know bubbled media ecosystems they have fox news and newsmax and oann and the president and you know many many uh, Republican Congress people, you know, Mitch McConnell comes out after the impeachment. I'm jumping ahead a little bit and, you know, basically says, I voted no on a technicality, but Donald Trump is, you know, is morally and ethically responsible. This is his fault. Um, but again, Mitch didn't acknowledge that Biden was the true winner of the election for like a month after the election. Like, you know, if you contributed to the big lie that this election was not fair and that, Trump had it stolen from him. You are as just about just as much as culpable as the people who actually showed up at the Capitol uh, to to do these heinous acts. So lots of lots of blame to go around. Absolutely. Uh, but again, like you said, um, uh, shortly after this happens, uh, the social media companies get together. Donald Trump is deplatformed, and Andy, I must say, like. This is way more effective uh, and uh, noticeable than I thought it would be. Listen, so I had two two big reactions to that. Reaction number one was, oh my God, the reaction of conservatives thinking, talking about how unfair the world is was hilarious. I'm just going to be honest. I was spoon feed me the crybaby takes about how unfair the world is. Second of all, you would have thought that on the was it the sixth that he got the platform? Was it the seventh? I think it was the sixth at late in the evening. Yeah, I, you would have thought he stopped being president that day. Yes, he he said that you know they're taking away his voice. It's like, bro, you have a whole press corps. I mean, you have you're, you're still the president. You could have got a message out. I, I didn't even realize he was still the president between the sixth and the inauguration because he went silent. Yes, absolutely. Like you know, and again. He can call up any major news station and be on the air in front of millions of people at the drop of a hat. He has a whole press office, you know, that he can issue statements through. He can show up at any of these press conferences. Uh, but it really felt like after the certification, he was like, okay, like whether I believe that this I was robbed or not, you know, I'm not going to be the president on inauguration day biden is going to take over and he literally was like i'm going to take my ball and go home except he's the leader of the free world there's a pandemic and a recession that are raging across the country just pathetic just embarrassing yeah i mean he he really he showed us that he was exactly who we thought he was (laughs) he didn't he didn't care well i mean once 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 the jig was up he didn't care he's never cared about this country and it was Never more evident than it was the last two weeks of the sorry presidency. So, Andy, tell me what your other reaction was, because I did, in fact, share it with you um, as far as Trump being deplatformed. All right. So now that I've gotten the rage, this was good for the country takes out of the way. I do kind of miss him. (laughs) I mean, me too, a little bit. Have there not been some events that it would have been great to see what he had to say about them? I mean, the Super Bowl. 
him stroking off Tom Brady about how great Tom Brady is. He's the greatest quarterback that's ever played the game. I don't know why my Trump voice sounds like JFK. <laughs> that's all I got. But I mean, there even just, you know, the Biden inauguration, I can't imagine that he would have been able to stay silent during that. I, they're just, I mean, I can't imagine what he's saying about Rush Limbaugh right now. And I don't, that's probably a minefield we maybe don't want to walk in, but I, there was just so many events that, I would have loved to have had his just insane takes on. So now that it's over and, you know, he's not a threat to national security anymore. I do miss his crazy takes a little bit. I just, the thing that I miss about it is like, it's kind of interesting. I guess I I'm sure there's a better adjective for it, but like to know what the most powerful person in the world thinks like at any given moment of any given day, you know, you just this, you know, stream of consciousness from him, like pretty much like every day about whatever he's thinking about, you know, you can tell what he's watching on TV or what meetings he's in and what he thinks about everything. Granted, it's, you know, insane and and scary and, you know, malevolent and incompetent, but uh, to at least know, like I follow Joe Biden on Twitter, but it's just like, you know, the the old boring pablum of, you know, hey, we're going to work together and, here's my policies and here's what I'm going to do to help the American people. And so kind of like, man, I kind of miss them a little bit. And I, I really shouldn't be surprised about that. Like, you know, we've the platform people before, uh, you know, Alex Jones uh, is the one that, you know, jumps out at me uh, the most or whatever. And it's, it's effective when you don't have a means to get your voice out there, which Trump obviously does, but other people ne- don't necessarily. And a lot of a lot of times, it's also tied to how you make money. You can say we're we're deplatforming you, and you are screwed, and and that's kind of what happened to him. And uh, it's it's I definitely reacted to it differently than I thought I would have. You know, it couldn't happen to a nicer guy. <laughs> okay, since you opened Pandora's box, I'm going to ask you what what is your thought? Is it okay to crush? rush limbaugh even though he died of stage four lung cancer no i'm not i'm not, I'm not going there no because, i mean because the answer is yes but <laughs> okay i'm gonna take the high road and i'm not gonna go there oh i've i've there have been so much uh you know so many twitter memes uh and i and i've laughed at quite a few so uh i'm just going to close this topic out with a modified proverb that you reap what you sow and uh, that's how I feel about Rush Limbaugh. So, so we're so we're, we're t- you're talking about memes, right? So you are going to take us into a topic now. I think that has spawned probably the best meme that we've seen in years. So take us there. Which one? There are so many. So we're moving on. So that brings us to Joe Biden's actual inauguration day. Uh, Andy, how much of this did you watch? So I was a fool. So I, <laughs> I didn't plan well ahead. So I planned a meeting. For noon on inauguration day so i missed a good bit of it i was disappointed i did watch i mean i didn't watch the entire inaugural you know hours of coverage you know going back but I, I i certainly caught the highlights and i thought it was a really well done event yeah i did too i did catch uh a lot of this live um most of my team was you know booted up at their desk and and people were watching and i kind of just like Oh, whatever. I mean, I will too. Um, so we had uh, 
uh, Lady Gaga sing the national anthem. J-Lo uh, did one of the songs. Garth Brooks did a song. Joe Biden spoke. Uh, and then we had Amanda Gorman, who I was not aware of before uh, Inauguration Day. Our National Youth Poet Laureate uh, gave a very stirring uh, poem or recitation uh, afterwards, which I did not catch live because I was like, okay, I, I tuned in for Biden's speech and then I, I cut out and I missed the the, the most uh, talked about event of that day. Uh, but yeah, I thought it was a, a great day, a return to normalcy. And uh, I really liked Biden's speech. Yeah, I mean, Amanda Gorman sold the show. That was about the point I came in was maybe five minutes before that. So I, I guess I, I caught the best part. So she actually did a PBS special. PBS did a let's talk about race over the summer, you know, kind of in, in the midst of the uprisings that we were having in the summer. Uh-huh. And she did just a fantastic job. I mean, it, you know, it was her and Elmo. And then there were a couple of, of other PBS characters. So we had actually kind of met her before. And we thought she was fantastic in that. So that might be something to sit down and watch with the family. I think we've actually caught a rerun of it as well. And I mean, it, it certainly holds up. But wow, absolutely stole the show. I mean, stole the hearts of America. And let's let's get some more of her. That's exactly what this country needs. For sure. Absolutely. Um, so I listened to all of Biden's speech. Um, I, like I've said previously, I've been following the presidential race since the very beginning of the Democratic primaries. Uh, so I've watched Joe Biden in debates, and I've seen Joe Biden give speeches after primary wins and primary losses. Uh, you know, again, he was the vice president for eight years, and he's been around forever. Uh, but his inauguration speech, I think was really exceptional um, to just say, look, America, like we are now back on track. You now have a president who's going to care about you and try and pull the country together. Um, and it doesn't matter if you didn't vote for me. I'm not going to play favorites. Uh, I mean, you know, I'm just going to try and do what's best for the American people, uh, solve this pandemic, solve the recession, get people working, uh, you know, restore our alliances uh, and our standing across the world. Uh, and this this section of his speech uh, was the part that stuck with me the most. Uh, we must end this uncivil war that pits red against blue, rural versus urban, conservative versus liberal. We can do this if we open our souls instead of hardening our hearts. If we show a little tolerance and humility, if we're willing to stand in the other person's shoes just for a moment, because here's the thing about life. There is no accounting for what fate will deal you. There are some days when we need a hand. There are other days when we're called on to lend one. That is how we must be with one another. And I, I just think that's so, you know, to consider what Joe Biden went through in his life with how much personal tragedy he's had with the deaths of his, uh, you know, spouse and with children, uh, you know, to really, you know, take a very, you know, I can hear the Catholicism oozing out of him, but just the decency and just, you know, his good nature, I think it really is what the country needs at this moment. Uh, and, and I really thought I really got a lot out of the speech. Yeah, I mean, that's absolutely the message that we need right now. And like you said, coming from somebody that's had the life experiences of Joe Biden, how authentic is that to say, you know, to be that guy that I mean, there were certainly those days where he needed that hand because, you know, life has dealt him a, a rough one. And then also those days, you know, to help others. I mean, you can believe it coming from a guy like that. So say, say what you want about, about 
Biden, I mean, I know people have a lot to say about him and, and it's not always positive, but I, I don't think you could ever say the guy's not authentic. And I think that was probably the first of many real genuine speeches that we're going to get here over the next four years. And I'm, I'm here for all of it. Yeah, I mean, this goes back to the, a conversation we had in a previous episode, and we still don't need to legislate this right now. But like, you can, regardless of what you think of his politics, um, what you think of him as a person, um, from a, you know, what is he, you know, I, I feel like all presidents need to have some kind of, you know, ambition and, and personal hunger to be the most powerful person in the world. And they're all a little off their rocker to, to think they're qualified for that and, and can handle that job or whatever. But in our, in our Trump versus George W. Bush debate, like Biden, just like George W. Bush, like there might be many, many things that you disagree with him. Uh, but I, I still really don't feel like you can doubt the fact that they do actually personally care about the American people uh, and want what's best for them, which, again, I really don't think you can say about Donald Trump. No, 100 percent. Those those are two real genuine guys from, you know, I don't think their politics could be much more different from one another between Bush and Biden. But those are definitely two guys that when you look at that's they're real guys, they're genuine guys, and I, they certainly want the best. So. I think the the quote that I saw from inauguration day that really stuck with me and, you know, kind of, kind of got me a little bit was uh, Joe Biden said he was real excited that day, but also he felt like he should have been there as they were swearing in his son, Bo, you know, yep. his, his son that didn't make it. That was an absolute rising star. I think he was the governor of Delaware at like 44 years old or something that made me feel bad about the things I've accomplished in my life to this point anyway, <laughs> but but I, th- I think that was, <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> yeah. Running out, but yeah, maybe I'll get there by 44. Um, but I, I think that that was the one that really stuck with me. It was just, uh, you know, again, what a guy he is that even on the biggest day of his life, he's still thinking about his family. So man, th- those are values. I would hope that we can all get behind for the next four years. Yeah. I mean, again, I'm, I'm really not ever going to feel any shame about picking on Donald Trump uh, because I think he's, he's horrible. Um, but just to see the, you know, disparity uh, between Joe and Jill Biden and how they interact as a couple. And, you know, they look like an actual, you know, a married couple that actually likes each other. And, you know, that stereotypical like old married couple. Um, and then just to see Donald and Melania, it's <laughs> just like, Oh man, like uh, you know, again, I think you, I think we have a, you know, Joe and Jill are our life goals kind of a marriage. You know, we got some dogs back in the White House. Uh, it's going to be a good four years. I'm, I'm, I, I really think so. Man, it's taken some use getting used to for you to be the dog guy saying you're excited there's dogs in the White House. Let's let's stop and acknowledge that for a moment. I know my poor little sweetie got spayed this week and she's still got the cone on her head, but uh. Ouch. Yeah, yeah, I've uh, I've come around. I I am I am the dog guy in the family, which is insane. But uh, uh, yeah, I've uh, having a dog has really uh, given me a new perspective on pet ownership. So, hashtag dog guy. <laughs> All right, Andy. So in a previous uh, in this again this episode that we hark back to quite a bit, um, we wondered you. You know, 25th uh, Amendment, very unlikely. Would Donald Trump be the only president to have ever been impeached twice? 
And lo and behold, the answer to that we have now is yes. You know, I thought that the clock was ticking and didn't really realize that, yes, we could continue on with a lot of these activities after Trump had officially left the White House. Uh, but the House votes pretty quickly uh, to impeach Donald Trump. Uh, the article is for, you know, inciting insurrection and, and whatnot, uh, you know, just related to the events of January 6th. Takes a little while to get um, the Senate trial up and running, uh, but it came and went pretty quickly and honestly really wasn't on my radar a whole lot. Yeah, so my first reaction to that is I think calling that a trial is ridiculous. I know that's what it's actually called, but for that to resemble like a legitimate part, and I mean, I don't, I don't think I've been shy about saying this, and if I have been shy before, I won't be shy right now. I think our legal system is, it needs some help. I mean, I, <laughs> I think there's a lot of things wrong with our legal system, but like to call that a trial is an insult to our as imperfect as it is legal system because there was nothing about that that was like legitimate law at all it's it the, the rules are just i mean it's it's whose line is it anyway like we just make up the rules there's like no rules of evidence there's no i mean there's there's no real bird like the charges are just whatever you convict based on i don't know if you think you feel like you should do it or not like there, there's just there there was nothing i don't know man i just Coming away from that, I feel, and I'll be honest, and, and I'll out myself a little bit here. I didn't watch hardly any of the first impeachment, so some of this stuff was a little bit of a surprise to me. But I was like, "This, this is just made up. It's just whatever." Yeah, I was the reverse. I watched a good amount of the first impeachment and very, very, very little of this. Really, just a lot of the highlights um, and the final vote. Um, and in the first impeachment, it was long, and they called witnesses, and there were you know, testimony and depositions and whatnot. This man, I don't know. So I'm, I'm conflicted. Like, I do think that you need to impeach him. I think that from a practicality perspective, there's no way he's going to be removed from office. Uh, this really shows that impeachment needs to not be the last line of defense for a horrible president because the Senate is never going to vote to remove a president, as long as the Senate, you know, unless the Senate becomes 75, 25, one party or the other, which seems very unlikely, uh, they're, they're never going to vote. They're never going to get the two thirds to, to disbar a president and kick him out of office. This guy incited an insurrection that killed five people and traumatized many more involved in breaching the Capitol building. And then you couldn't even, you could only get seven republican senators of his own party and i was surprised there was seven yeah I, I think that's what i was getting at was i mean calling him being acquitted of the charges is a bit of a joke i mean he was politically he was voted he was voted not to have the charges it had nothing to do with what was proved it had nothing to do with the charges that were on the table it was purely a political decision for and, and what you're is, right it what always, is crime it, it always will be yeah, I mean, you have the Senate. The Senate is supposed to be impartial jurors. You have Ted Cruz and a couple other Republican senators meeting with the president's, you know, defense uh, team. And Ted Cruz coming out afterwards and telling Trump, oh, hey, you just have to remember, there's not 67 votes. You've already won. Like, what is that as a line of defense against a, a president who's out of control? Yeah, I mean, it'll it'll never happen. 
I mean, I have a history degree and I should probably know the answer to this, but why is this not a trial in the Supreme Court? I mean, maybe not even the Supreme Court because they're not a trial court. They're more of like an appellate style court. But I mean, why, if we're going to call it a trial, why do we not hold this in some way in the judicial system? I think so. Again, I, I'm not a history major and I, you know, it's, this is mostly just from reading the New York times and the Washington post. I think DOJ uh, guidance and really we're just basing it on guidance and policy to the best of my knowledge is that a sitting president cannot be charged in criminal court and that the constitution just prescribes impeachment as the line of defense against a president who's out of control uh which we now know is insane yeah i mean i I think this is you know one of those situations where you know, I think there's a lot of great stuff in the Constitution, but I think we have to go back and look, and I think they're assuming that people that are holding the office of the president are going to be, you know, generally give a shit about decency and honor. And I think maybe at this point, they didn't anticipate the American people being so stupid as to like someone like Donald Trump. So I, I, I don't know. And the argument that, so again, you only had five Republican senators initially vote that the trial was even constitutional because trump was no longer in office like how i know it's not that they're that dumb it's just that they're that disingenuous but like if you say a sitting president can't be charged in criminal court and then once they're out of office they can't be impeached like what you know like a president just has free reign in their lame duck period to do whatever the hell they want and if the senate can't get their asses together uh, quickly enough to have a trial before the president leaves office well then oh well i guess the president can do whatever they want last month that's just ridiculous so i do think these next couple of months it will be interesting to see so that's that's the doj you know federally but there are certainly some states that are looking at oh charges. yes they are yes and i know are. you know georgia's on i mean he could face charges it'll be interesting to see if there's a DA in some state or it's, you know, a state's attorney that has the gumption to, to throw some charges out there and see what happens. So I'm, I'm, I'm going to be here for all of that. And that would be, you know, legitimate stuff in like a real court with like procedures and, and evidence. And it's not just based on, you know, if there's an R or a D next to your name. So I I'll be very interested to see if that happens. I, I'll, I, that I will tune into every second of, I think. Yeah, I don't know how many districts there are in New York, but I think there's at least two of them that are investigating Donald Trump and his, his companies and his holdings and his taxes and whatnot. So, um, uh, yeah, and there's there's a, a long uh, kind of legal issue with uh, a huge IRS tax refund that they might try to claw back um, based on some you know discrepancies between what Trump claimed to the IRS about the value of his properties versus what he's, you know, told other people um, about the value of his properties. So there is, again, I really have zero faith in our legal system. If you are an old, rich white man, uh, you, you know, there are no consequences for you 99.9% of the time. Uh, and, it's not and a that, coincidence. Our legal system is literally designed for old, rich white men to win. Um, and, and now you even add on the extra mantle of this guy's a former president. Uh, but 
Donald Trump does his crimes right out in the open and, and, and not very, uh, uh, not in the most intelligent of ways. So, uh, you know, he's pissed off a lot of people and he's no longer the president. We'll see if anything comes of it. I'm sure, you know, court cases and legal action will be tied up for, de- you know, a decade. But, uh, uh, you know, I, I felt pretty confident that Trump would be the nominee in 2024. And I have not yet backed off of that position. Uh, polling still has him as the, you know, numero uno uh, by Republicans as to who they would want their nominee to be. But four years is a long time and a lot of shit can happen to him. So, yeah, let's hope those change in the next four years. Okay. Do you have any thoughts? Like, Democrats had the chance to call witnesses and really just you know, said, nah, we're good. Uh, And, you know, I respect the conflicting balance between the longer this trial goes, uh, the longer it's going to take to start enacting the Biden agenda. Uh, Do you have any thought at all? Like, do you care that they decided not to call witnesses? No, I was fine with that. There was no, there, no one's mind's going to change because there's witnesses. I mean, like you said, he, he, he does his crimes in the open. It's not like there were bombshells that were waiting to come out. From witnesses. I mean, everybody knows what happened and people are either okay with the fact that there were there was an insurrection that tried to overthrow our government or or they're not. So no, I was perfectly fine. I there was no reason to, to drag it out anymore. It was gonna be what it was gonna be. The Republicans are gonna celebrate this as a victory, as if he actually won some like proved something with this. Democrats know that he's guilty as can be but it doesn't matter there's no way to actually convict him with the way the system's set up so no i mean i'm not a big fan of wasting time just for the sake of wasting time and i think that would have been an absolute waste of time yeah i mean i i think i agree with that um you're, you're right they're not gonna they're not gonna have enough votes plain and simple it doesn't matter what they say um i do think there's some value by making real people state out loud as part of a court hearing you know this the, the to actually hear the words come out of people's mouths as opposed to just having to read them on paper some of the details of january 6th and and it might sting a little more but ultimately you're right i mean let's i i think it needs to be done uh you know to hold him accountable as best as possible uh he will now be in the history of books forever he's the only president impeached twice um but yeah let's let's put him behind us and let's move on to uh, actually improving the country. So I agree with that. The final thing I want to say on this, and then you can give your closing thoughts and we'll move on. Seven Republican senators vote to uh, impeach Donald Trump, uh, which is two more than the vote to even proceed with the trial. Uh, One senator who did not vote to impeach Donald Trump, call special attention to him as this being in Ohio uh, based podcast is Senator Rob Portman, who came out and said that he was not going to seek re-election, uh, basically whined that, uh, you know, it was too polarized and Democrats didn't want to work with him, which is sounds like a whole load of bullshit. Uh, but he's definitely one of the more mainstream, not crazy Republican senators that we have. Um, and for this guy to, he doesn't have to worry about facing the voters he really can vote his conscience. He can do whatever he wants. Uh, but for him to still just tiss, tiss, but, 
but not vote uh, Trump guilty is just the the epitome of cowardice. And uh, we won't miss you, Rob Portman. Goodbye. Vote Dr. Amy Acton. I think she's still mulling over the run. And um, 100% voting for her. For sure. Absolutely. I co-sign. Unless Jim Trestle runs, then it's a contest. <laughs> uh, yep. Yep. Absolutely. Okay. So, shifting gears out of the news... There's been a lot of vaccine stuff going on over the last couple of weeks, Andy. And before I kind of dive in, uh, I think this will kind of illustrate one of the points I want to make. What What is your perception right now, February 19th, about the state of uh, the vaccine rollout in America? What we're doing well or are we not doing well? Uh, what are the big issues? Like, what is your perception as maybe somebody who, you know, I'm, I'm probably, I'm going to go out on a limb and say I'm following this maybe a little more closely than you are. But what do you think? I think the perception, I, I'm sure you're following it closer than I am, though we have had a vaccine in our house. So we do have a little bit of personal experience here. Um, I mean, I, I think it's going decently. Statistically, the numbers, I mean, I think Biden tried, what, 100 million vaccines in the first hundred days and i think uh-huh. we're averaging well over a million a day which would keep us on that pace i mean i i think the probably the biggest takeaway i've gotten is that it really really varies based on where you are that there's some places where people seem to be happy and think that vaccine distribution is going pretty efficiently especially that seems to be people that i know in the bigger areas whereas you know in the smaller more rural areas it seems to be a little bit more haphazard but that, that, that's a bit of a guess there, I'll be honest. No, so I'm interested to hear you say that because I, I, the, what I want, the point that I want to make is that I feel like a lot of vaccine news has been, I feel like, more negative than it needs to be. Uh, so I'm glad to hear that some of the positive stuff is penetrating. Uh, because really, like, if okay, so if you want to look and say, what percentage of vaccines that states have have we administered? It is still a pretty low percent. But America as a whole has one of the highest rates of doses administered per capita. If you look at the data, Israel's like way above everybody. Like they're just cranking it out. And, you know, they have, you know, national, you know, service and in their country and whatnot. And I feel like they have a pretty good distribution uh, system going on and whatnot. Uh, They're kind of like the the outlier in a good way. They're just cranking it out. Uh, But compared to Canada and and Europe, uh, we're actually doing really well. Um, as far as just getting it into people, uh, you're right. We're, you know, I think somewhere in the 1.5 to 1.7 million doses a day type range, which is going to shatter. Uh, Joe Biden's probably admittedly low uh, metric for 100 million vaccines uh, in his first 100 days, but the more the better. Let's let's keep it going. But really, you need nothing has personified uh, this more than the conversation around the Johnson and Johnson vaccine. Um, and so I want to talk a little bit about the Johnson and Johnson vaccine because, you know, we, we got this initial news that Pfizer and Moderna were both in the 95% range. Right. And, and so we get the Johnson and Johnson data and the, the only number that you see is about 66%. And that number is basically that the data showed that this vaccine was about 
66% effective in preventing uh, the virus. And, and I just saw so many negative stories about, you know, I want to wait, you know, people saying I want to wait for the Pfizer and Moderna ones. I don't want this, you know, second rate vaccine, essentially, more or less. So I've seen a lot of that. And I want to, again, you know, with the usual caveat, I'm not a doctor and I'm not a, uh, you know, I'm not an epidemiologist or anything like that. Um, but if you really dive into the data, uh, you see the 66% uh, number, but really the number that I think is more important to focus on is 85%, which is in the range of like uh, the Johnson Johnson vaccine prevents, you know, hospitalizations and serious, serious cases um, of the vaccine at a much higher rate than that 66%. And, you know, what is the metric that is going to be really important in people's lives? Like, we don't yet know exactly is the vaccine, are these vaccines, you know, preventing you from getting the virus at all? It's not taking a hold in your body at all, and you're not going to be able to transmit it to other people once you get the vaccine? Or are these vaccines just giving us enough immunity where we're not going to show symptoms? We're not going to have serious cases of the disease, um, but it's still going to be in our bodies and we still have the potential to spread it. You know, if we go over to a family member's house and we're not wearing a mask, even though we're vaccinated, we could give it to them. Um, we don't 100% know. It seems so far that the data is leaning towards, yes, it is actually decreasing transmission, but we don't know that yet. Um, so I just want to, you know, it's always hard to just look at the headline and look at the, the top line numbers. Really, you kind of need to dive in the data. There's a lot of good about this Johnson & Johnson vaccine. Um, Johnson & Johnson vaccine is one of those more normal, typical inactivated adenovirus vaccine. So you just take a common cold vector and you, and you uh, put the part in it that's going to cause COVID immunity. Um, in there and then you give it on so there's a lot of people I've personally experienced them in my own family who are scared of these new mRNA vaccines and they think they're gonna cause all kind of changes in the human body this is something that they're used to getting so maybe people are going to be more receptive to this vaccine they can be stored in a normal fridge so it's much easier to transport and deliver which will be important in rural locations and across the world in less developed countries um, it's a one dose vaccine. So again, uh, you mentioned uh, that you had uh, vaccination in your house. Uh, I don't know if it's just, is it just been the first dose so far? Nope. Second dose this week. All right, great. So again, these vaccines, the Pfizer and Moderna vaccines, you have either um, a three week wait or a four week wait uh, for Pfizer and Moderna uh, respectively between the two doses. And then they still want you to give it, I don't know, somewhere in the one to two week range after that second dose. And then you are considered vaccinated. So you get that first dose and, uh, you know, you might think, oh, hey, I can start, you know, living my normal life now. You still got quite a ways to go. And, you know, a lot of days left where you could potentially contract it after getting that first dose. Um, and so there's definitely some advantages to this vaccine. Um, and I just want to, you know, again, if I, my baseline is if you have the opportunity to get one of these vaccines, regardless of which one it is, uh, you're better to get it than to 
you know, hold your breath and wait for one of these 95% effective vaccines. So that was a lot. I just vomited a lot at you. What do you think? Yeah, I mean, you're you're definitely the vaccine guy. Um, 100% on board with getting your vaccines. I mean, 2021 has been honestly a, a much tougher year here for COVID. I mean, we we lost a friend a week ago who was, you know, about our age and, you know, was on a ventilator for a couple of weeks and, and didn't make it. I have two grandparents that were just admitted to the hospital a couple of days ago with pneumonia as a complication. So, I mean, that's certainly not not looking good. So, I mean, this, this thing is far from over just because we're getting good news. I mean, our, our numbers in Ohio have looked a lot better lately and that's, you know, encouraging. We're, we're back to where we were at like in October levels of like hospitalization and, and cases and that's great. But but this thing is still here and it's still dangerous. And I mean, personally, this the, these last couple of, honestly, just these last couple of weeks have, have been the toughest that this entire pandemic has been. So, so don't sleep on this. If you can get the vaccine, certainly get it. I mean, I'm, I'm going to get it. Whatever they offer me, the, the first opportunity I have, shoot it in my veins. And I hope everybody out there listening feels the same way because we got a long way to go before we're back to normal. Yeah, so there's a point that you made, you know, obviously, you know, the first reaction is just, you know, the awful news of losing people in your in your orbit. And, and, and that's, you know, that's horrible. But the numbers have gone down lately. And it's too early for the numbers to have gone down because of the vaccine. It really is. So what that should tell everyone is your behavior, your activity, how much you mask and wash your hands and social distance. That is something that you could personally do to, you know, to control what kind of risk you and your family experience. And if everybody does that, it's a cumulative effect where we can really drive down transmission rates uh, just by the behaviors that we do. Again, this, you know, harkens back to last year when the CDC director said this mass that you have is, is going to be more important until we hit herd immunity threshold levels than the vaccine is. So again, mask up, wash your hands, social distance. Uh, we can still, you know, we're getting close. Um, and speaking of getting close, um, I just want to throw out the latest, you know, timeline news that we have, which really has shifted, you know, almost by the day, uh, certainly by the week lately. So, Dr. Fauci gave an interview earlier this week, uh, and there's kind of three different goalposts uh, that the Biden team is looking at right now as far as when we're going to start seeing different milestones. So right now, as I'm sure most of you know, most states have a tiered approach to distributing the vaccine. So right now in Ohio, we're at the point where anyone who's 65 or older can get the vaccine. Or if you have some kind of essential job uh, that's, you know, narrowly defined or, you know, some certain pre-existing conditions, uh, not all of them, uh, but there's a, a subset of those, or if you have one of those in combination with some other factors, you can get vaccinated. So the next milestone really is going to be, when are we going to get to the point where states just throw open the doors and say, 
uh, you know, hey, it doesn't matter what you have. If you want the vaccine, schedule your appointment and you can get it. And right now it seems that we're in the May to early June range for that. Again, it's always going to vary city by city, state by state. Uh, but in general for the country, that's where we're looking at. July is going to be the time point where we have enough vaccine. We have 600 million doses, 300 times two. And I'm not exactly sure, you know, you know, uh, the Johnson and Johnson vaccine, I feel like the approval for it has been dragging. Uh, they submitted for it, uh, February 4th. And I think the next meet, the first meeting for it is scheduled on February 26th. Uh, so it feels like it's been longer than the first two vaccines, but maybe that's just time being funny. So I'm not sure exactly how those numbers are going to impact uh, dose availability, but July is going to be that 600 million range. Uh, and then by the end of the summer, we should be done vaccinating all of those people uh, who would want the vaccine. So, you know, obviously still a lot of caveats getting people who are initially resistant uh, to getting the vaccine, uh, getting those people vaccinated expanding the age range of people who can get the vaccine. We're still largely, I believe, in the 16 and 17 year range uh, and really nobody younger yet. Uh, all these factors are kind of playing into when we're going to start turning the corner and when things are going to be more quote unquote normal. Um, but we're getting there and uh, there's a lot of good news uh, about uh, what this year could hold from a vaccination uh, perspective and what the numbers are really will start coming down. Uh, but we still got to hold on the fort and do our best until then. Absolutely. Keep wearing the mask. So just some uh, quick local uh, notes on this and we'll move on to this, this topic that uh, I, I love to drone on and on about. Uh, in Ohio specifically, uh, the teacher issue has, has reared its ugly head a little bit. Uh, Andy, I don't know how much you've been following this, but the Cleveland School District in particular, uh, DeWine has said, look, I will make teachers in the essential group of, of people uh, who can get this vaccine. However, school districts must agree that by March 1st, uh, you know, they will open the doors and there will be in, uh, in-person learning, you know, four or five days a week, you know, the whole week, essentially. Uh, and most school districts have signed on to this, but there are some Cleveland schools and Akron schools that are basically like, eh, we want to get the vaccine, but uh, we don't really want to go back yet. So there's a little bit of a game of chicken going on. It looks like, uh, you know, schools are going to be held to that standard. Uh, but that is definitely one thing we're dealing with in Ohio right now. Yeah, I did. I did catch that a little bit. The, the schools are like, yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll open by March first. Sonk, we're uh, we're actually not gonna do that. But let's get that vaccine. So, hey, I'm not mad at them. I'm not ready to be around people at all. So I I, I can't blame those. Honestly, I can't blame those teachers at all. So, yeah. Um, and and going back to the national scale again, that is one of the biggest kerfuffles the Biden administration has had to deal with so far. They've been pretty mealy mouthed about. Uh, you know, basically the, the company line right now is teachers should be one of those essential groups and we want them to get it vaccinated as quickly as possible, but it's not a pure requirement for classes to resume in session. And Andy, surprisingly, like I think as the months have gone on, I think I'm starting to shift my position a little bit more. Uh, I've had some uh, notable meltdowns on the pod about 
my son's school schedule and, and bringing everyone back together. But really, it seems like the scientific consensus is really hardening around the fact that kids are undergoing so much trauma by not being in class that that is really starting to outweigh keeping kids home and that schools really don't seem to be the driver of community spread. It's more things like, you know, restaurants and, and, and closed in-person uh, venues that house lots of adults. Uh, so I'm, I'm starting to, you know, I'm more on the fence right now. I can certainly see how people uh, would not want to return to in-person school, but if you're vaccinated, that's the best that you're, you know, you can really hope for. So I'm curious to see how this plays out. Yeah, that, that makes sense that, I mean, I, I have seen that same thing that, that that's what people are seeing and surprise, surprise, it's the adults that are the issue. But I think a part of it is for the, for the most part, I think schools are probably actually following the guidance and the rules and are, you know, masking and the kids are, I mean, schools are notorious at, at making kids obey rules. So I mean, I'd imagine that you're having better compliance with mask wearing the appropriate ways and social distancing in schools than you are basically anywhere else. So that, that would make sense that schools maybe aren't one of those places that are really having those transmission levels because schools actually make you follow the rules. Whereas, you know, you go to Kroger and you have the guy that's wearing the mask around his chin. So that probably doesn't fly in school. So I do get that. Yeah. And I mean, really, it's just, I don't think we want to make the hard decision. Like the, the, from what I've seen, I've I read a lot of articles that were like open schools and closed restaurants and bars. And, and man, I don't know, dude, when the next time I'm going to feel comfortable, like maybe, maybe it just, if it's just uh, my wife and I, but taking the whole family out to a restaurant, like we've done it, I think once in a pandemic, very early in the morning for breakfast when it was not completely full. But man, I still I, I drive by these restaurants and I see all these people sitting down, and I'm like, man, I don't know. I just don't know. I'd be shocked if I sit down in a restaurant before 2022. And I and 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 I love to just go sit and have all this Mountain Dew brought in front of me and and have somebody else cook this meal and I'm like we love going out to eat but man it's going to be a while I think until we incorporate it into our our weekly or even monthly routine so yeah we're the same way we're big out to eat people but whew. I mean we you know we still get a, a decent amount of takeout so we are still trying to support especially those local places but yeah I th- the thought of sitting down in a restaurant right now is very very far away yeah. Lastly, uh, check in with your local, uh, you know, county health board uh, in Lucas County, for example, you can sign up right now and register. Uh, I've been getting the emails from them and I was a little disappointed last week. I just got an email that was like, you can get vaccinated at this place. And then you scroll down and it's like, if you're 65 and have these pre-existing conditions. So, but again, sign up, register, um, you know, you, you know, there's a good chance that you could get notified of when you're ready to get the vaccine. If you're one of those people that's going to have to wait in one of the big general pools of people, uh, but sign up now, get ready to get your vaccine as soon as you can. Absolutely. All right. So we've been hitting a bunch of, uh, serious topics. Let's mix it up a little bit. Talk to me. You, you have, you know, inherited the mantle of space guy. Tell me about space. Space guy. Yeah, man. <laughs> Finally, some good stuff happened in 2021. So we landed a rover on Mars yesterday. That was pretty neat. Um, 
I think it's got like a 12 year battery life. So it's going to, I haven't, I'm going to be honest. Perseverance is his name. Um, I haven't read a ton into what its actual mission is, but I mean, it's going to tool around for a while. It's got this little helicopter thing that it's supposed to be able to try and hover above the Martian surface. So we've never tried, you know, a, a hovering flight like that on any other foreign body. We had the lunar modules on the moon that, you know, kind of blasted off and rendezvoused with the command module and i probably bored half the people just with that but they, you know that's that's not the same as trying to fly in another planet or another body's atmosphere so that that's pretty exciting I'll, I'll be tuned in for that one so like a nerd i did watch nasa tv yesterday kind of follow them it, it wasn't super exciting they didn't have an onboard camera so it was really just watching the people in mission control and then you have you know the nerds in the polo shirts hugging each other so you know it's landed successfully so i I'll, always love a good nasa group hug <laughs> But yeah, I mean, I mean, that was pretty exciting. So it's already transmitting, you know, within five minutes of landing, I think it was transmitting back pictures of the Martian surface. And two minutes after that, there were pictures of <laughs> the uh, the Bernie Sanders meme of him sitting in the chair from the Martian surface. So of course, got to, got to throw that one in there. Um, but it'll, it'll be exciting. I think we'll learn a lot about Mars. I mean, and Mars is pretty exciting. And I think there's a decent chance in the next 10 years that we'll really be talking about trying to send a manned mission to Mars. So and it really that quick. Yeah. I mean, I don't know that it'll be there in 10 years, but I think within the next five to 10 years, we could realistically have the conversation and be planning that if there's, you know, we throw enough budget behind it. I mean, I, I think we have the technology. We could probably do it now. I think it's having the the wherewithal and the really being willing to throw the budget behind it to be able to do it. So yeah i do think it's possible i mean the, the artemis project is looking at going back to the moon and then maybe using the moon as like a jumping off point to head towards mars so so there's some space stuff in the works that could be cool i mean i, I think 2026 was a date i saw thrown out for the moon i don't know if that was necessarily a landing but i think you know like like a flight at least by the moon again so i mean we haven't done that since 71 so so that's exciting that, that we're looking at, you know, exploring beyond the earth. So yeah, I think in the next 10 years, that'll be a real conversation. I hope it is anyways, as a space guy. Yeah. So I'm going to share one of my really bad science takes, which was I, there was a long stretch of time where, again, like I, I think there's so much about science. That's just, it's just so interesting. Like, again, you, it's learning how the world works. Um, but I had this really bad take that I carried with me for a while that was just like, do we really need the fun NASA? Like there's so much going on the earth. Do we really need to, you know, care about what's in space and all that or whatever? And that's just a historically bad take by me. Uh, and then, you know, you read about all the things that, you know, space tech, like we've been able to apply to things on earth and, and new materials and new technologies and, and all that. So um, I just wanted to take a, a small moment to have my little confessional and say that was a really bad take by me and uh, go space. Yeah. I mean, I think space is one of those things. If you just think about it in the sense of like, sure, you know, are, are we just going to cruise around in space and check out other stuff? I mean, yeah, maybe, maybe that's not as bad a take as you're giving yourself for it. So just the idea of going and looking at some rocks on the moon, I mean, was it worth the billions of dollars we spend in the sixties? Yeah. But when you exactly that, though, when you think of all the things that we spun off, you know, we learned how to communicate through space and that led to the development of things like cell phones. I mean, when you think of all the things that came out of it. Yeah, space is pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's uh, that's pretty safe to say. So 
uh let's wrap up our news session we're gonna skip uh there's a there's a very interesting uh topic that's working its way through congress um about uh child poverty and uh both a republican and a democrat plan to um battle child poverty by giving lots of american families uh you know additional money for child care uh we'll table that for a different episode i think it's a pretty interesting topic um but you know we can have our vegetables and talk about that or we can have our dessert and talk about the weather and dunking on ted cruz well let's go we must be heading down to texas so andy the uh the weather this past week for pretty much i don't know like 90 percent of the country has sucked yeah man it was it was take your breath away cold and it was was that Tuesday, maybe Wednesday morning here? It was like walk out the door and like, oh, okay. So this is how it's gonna be. Gotcha. Um but you know, it's northwest Ohio. It's not the first time it's been like that. It's not the last time. It, it's it wasn't even historically cold here. You know, I think I think we hit negative 10, which is you know, probably the cold point of of one winter, but I think we I think we survived negative thirty maybe five years ago or so. Yeah. So not a big deal, but when you're talking about a place like Texas, I mean, they're not prepared for that. The houses aren't built that way. The pipes are on the outside, so they're freezing. There's no insulation because in Texas, you want to get the heat out of the house, not keep it in. I mean, the infrastructure to plow the roads, to, to de-ice, I mean, they don't have to do that in Texas. I mean, Ted Cruz himself said he'll believe in climate change when Texas freezes over, implying that that was something that would never happen, and here they are. So Texas is completely unprepared for this, and it's, it's a really bad situation down there. Yeah, I mean, I think I saw some graphic where it was like the largest percent of the continental United States was covered in snow, like since they've ever been tracking that stat or whatever. Um, it was really just like the very southern part of Florida, some of California, uh, and you know, some of the coast or whatever. But in general, just like the country overall was just racked by this winter storm. And uh, yeah, it was particularly bad in Texas. Uh, I did not dive into the details of this too much, but Texas is not, you know, on the national power grid. They kind of do their own thing down there because everything's better in Texas. And uh, they they chose not to winterize uh, their power grid and their um, sources of electricity. And they paid the price for it when pipes started freezing and natural gas uh, didn't, uh, didn't flow. And uh, yeah, I mean, again, it's, you know we're gonna we're we're gonna dunk on Ted Cruz. Don't worry, we're getting there. But again, like people have succumbed to hypothermia, and there's all kinds of property damage and loss of life. Uh, the traffic accidents, like that, is always that is some of the scariest stuff that I ever see on social media. When you see those those states that aren't used to having snow, they get snow or horrible winter weather. They don't know how to drive in winter weather, and then you see these like. 50 100 car you know pile ups on the highway um and it's just awful yeah there's a lot of really terrible things going on in texas and you know like said there's there's no infrastructure to deal with this because it's such a rare event there that i mean you're not going to have snow plows on hand or something like this so it's not only that people don't know how to drive on the roads but i mean the roads are just going to be crap until it gets warm enough to melt them because they have no way of even getting the snow off the road so it's it's a tough situation down there so in i this mean they should all just go they should all just go on vacation 
<laughs> exactly. So in this extremely tough situation for the state of Texas, there are things that a senator could do, such as coordinating with the White House to get FEMA involved and get aid down there, uh, you know, putting uh, Texas citizens in touch with local, you know, groups that are providing, you know, food or water, blankets and, and heat uh, and whatnot. Or you could take a vacation with your family to Cancun, Mexico to get away from the state that you represent. Andy, what was this guy thinking? Oh, this guy's thinking that he doesn't care. I mean, <laughs> he, it, it's, it, it's a guy that comes from the Trump school of thought of I'm going to do whatever I want and I don't care. And you know what? Do, do you think it'll hurt him with his base? legit question he's not up again until 2024 and four years is a long you know three years four years is a long time uh for people to remember you know people don't remember what happened last week anymore in the national news uh much less four years now but his race was close but no i mean ultimately i think that i think it's more likely that he'll choose to run for president again than running for senate uh as a reason why he wouldn't be a senator then because of this. So, yeah, I mean, my guess is the people that are voting for Ted Cruz probably aren't going to be bothered by this. They're probably going to say, if I had the money to do that, I'd do it too. The people who are still going to vote for Ted Cruz are buying the Fox news bullshit that, Oh, it's, it's the green new deal ruined Texas. And it caused all the wind turbines to freeze when wind power is like 10% of, uh, Texas is like total power grid or whatever. And there is no green new deal that's been enacted and you're in Texas, which like you're the state that, you know, is independent and doesn't follow what everyone else does. Ted Cruz said that California, you know, was an embarrassment because during the wildfires and they couldn't manage their own state and their own uh, natural disaster that they've had. And that, you know, California has all this wind power and look what happened with it or whatever. And then it happens in your own state. You you can only eat crow, and then you run away to Cancun. Just so tone deaf, so out of touch. And then, so make it even worse, how do you try and, and, and claw your way out of the situation? You throw your kids under the bus and say they really wanted to go on vacation. Just unbelievable. Just so epic. Yeah, I mean, that's what a real American man does. He throws his, kid under, his kids under the bus. Come on. Hey, did you see that haircut though? Those oh my gosh! The airport. Oh yeah, that that's a tough was look. Ugly. Oh, that's man. a tough look. That's, I mean, you're making a fool of yourself, like with the things that you're doing. But man, whew, that's something you could have. You could have stayed in Texas and got a haircut, my friend. <laughs> there was reports apparently that like Ted Cruz's wife uh, was on like a group text about going on vacation. And somebody, like one of their neighbors, like snitched on them, sent screenshots of it to either like the New York Times or the Washington Post. Like nobody likes this dude. Uh, You know, again, Donald Trump goes on and insults your wife, saying she's ugly and says that your dad killed JFK or whatever. You are pathetic. You throw throw your kids under the bus. Uh, Just, uh, you know, back in the day, he would have just resigned from shame, but that doesn't exist anymore. But oh. nah, this is 2021. You just you have the entire uh, the entire right wing media and the entire right wing uh, Facebook warriors just coming up with excuses. 
you know, make it, making a joke about Joe Biden, maybe misstate something and then has to go back and, and restate what he had to say. So, I mean, it's a, it's a joke anymore these days. You're right. I mean, back in the day, that would have been so embarrassing that somebody would have cared, but this is America in 2021. You can do whatever you want as long as, I mean, your team's going to support, I mean, Trump is right. He could have shot somebody on Fifth Street and there would have been people there making excuses for him. So no reason that Ted Cruz should be treated any different. Yeah. My favorite uh, meme about all this was the like the handshake meme between two unlikely people and something they share. <laughs> and it's Ted Cruz and Nelly. I got secrets can't leave Cancun. <laughs> just, wow. Just the uh, just phenomenal. Just I so unbelievable. Again, if my wife caught me throwing our children under the bus to the national media as the reason for one of my big fuck-ups, like, you can imagine all my shit would be on the front lawn in a hot second with a get-out-don't-come-back message for me. And the news would have been there because she would have probably called them and said, hey, come watch this. (laughs) Yeah, for sure. And you'd have deserved it. Absolutely, 100%. You know, that's uh, there you go. That's 2021 for you so far. It's that's it's been a whole lot of the same as 2020. Ted, get a haircut, <laughs> Ernie. Andy, we're gonna start winding down. Let's get into our list of the week. Let's do it. It's the list of the week. Uh, so we're coming off the heels of a made-up commercial holiday in Valentine's Day where coming off the heels of your birthday, old man, so happy birthday to you. Thank you. Uh, and so <laughs> one of the more random lists you and I have ever uh, gone on the limb with, we're going to do our top five celebrity crushes in honors of, of Valentine's Day. Let's do it. I, I, I can't wait for this. Um just just knowing some of your crushes throughout throughout the years i'm excited to see what your list is and uh i mean i think you'll get a couple on mine but but i think you'll probably be uh excited to hear what mine is too so why don't we get into it okay so we were talking before the show and weirdly both you and i like made up our list in consultation with our wives so i don't know what that says about us yeah i don't know five of them without i mean i i guess i make no secrets about who my celebrity crushes are and, and it sounds like neither do you yep okay so uh do you have any honorable mentions before we get started yeah i mean tom hanks is going to be my number one honorable mention <laughs> he's timeless ageless yeah I, I i've loved tom hanks, tom hanks for a long time so so tom hanks is on my list and then uh Lindsay lohan but specifically mean girls era Lindsay lohan so not like not like the train wreck version of Lindsay Lohan because we, we definitely got into some train wreck territory with her but I'm talking like Mean Girls that was prime oh yeah she, she is also on my honorable mention list so that, that that's all I got for honorable mentions um I came up with a decent number of them um there are a couple Bond girls um Denise Richards is the most ridiculous Bond girl ever uh she was a Pierce Brosnan Bond girl and she was a nuclear like a nuclear physicist um and again obviously a beautiful woman can be a nuclear physicist but she just it was like the caricature like oh like 
I'm in a lab coat and like I clearly like have no idea what's going on type of deal. But man, she is smoking hot in that movie. Halle Berry was a Bond girl, but I think a lot of uh, boys, teenagers from our generation. Uh, Andy, did you uh, have like the swordfish uh, inauguration in your like grade school, junior high? No, I have no idea what you're talking about. So swordfish is like a John Travolta, Halle Berry. Like, I don't even really remember what the movie's about. I think it's kind of like a, you know, like a crime, like thriller type movie or whatever. Uh, it is rated R and there is a scene in that movie where Halle Berry is topless and it came out, you know, it's, it is a movie and a scene that sent a lot of teenage boys into puberty and it was certainly <laughs> like a thing uh, in school that I remember. Uh, so she, you know, just uh, smoking hot. Uh, Jennifer Lopez, my wife and I went to see Hustlers either last year or the year before and that's the movie where she's uh, she works in a strip club, and there's a scene in that movie where she like wraps one of the other strippers. She's comforting her, and she wraps her in this big fur coat. And uh, both my wife and I were like, we would totally be fine if if we were wrapped up in that big fur coat with Jennifer Lopez too. So, <laughs> um, uh, I want to give a special shout out to Kate Upton, uh, who is Justin Verlander's uh, wife. Uh, he's a Detroit, or he was a Detroit Tigers pitcher at the time, and she had one of the most amazing sports wife quotes ever. Uh, when Justin Verlander, uh, I think, was supposed to be like the Cy Young winner one year, and uh, he came in second place, and she said on the record, "The only person that's supposed to be fucking Justin Verlander is me." Wow. Um, just an amazing legend just an amazing amazing quote so uh the last one of mine i'm gonna cut her from the list is the same person uh my wife was like if i could put one woman on my uh celebrity crush list it would be emma stone uh so i don't know if she shows up on your list at all uh but i i I like her quite a bit as well uh, definitely like just plays a character that I you know think is is really cool to hang out with so yeah that that won't be the last time we hear about her for today all right Andy so go ahead and give us uh number five on your list uh number five on my list is Matt Damon <laughs> uh, explain even though you don't really need to yeah I mean do I need to explain why Matt Damon is number five on my celebrity crush list? I mean have you seen Saving Private Ryan? Have you seen, I mean, have you seen the Bourne movies? Yeah, I mean, you don't have to explain yeah. it to me. I totally get it, my guy. <laughs> have you seen Goodwill Hunting? I mean, he is, he's a man's man. He's he's a good guy. I mean, he aged like fine wine. I mean, his his later stuff, he's he's still looking great. He's still hilarious. I mean, he's he's a great blend of of a good looking guy. He's funny. So yeah, Matt Damon, number five on the list. Okay, I'm going to keep with this theme. Number five on my list, Benedict Cumberbatch. All right. Uh, just, he's he's really like going for the triple crown. He, Doctor Strange in the Marvel Universe. Uh, he voices Smog the Dragon in the Hobbit movies. He is Khan in the Star Trek movies. Uh, Sherlock Holmes. Uh, just the, you know, the like, love the accent. 
love the facial hair situation going on. Uh, really just uh, uh, enjoy him every time he's uh, in a movie. So number five for me. Very nice. Uh, number four for me, this one will surprise you. Brie Larson. Really? Yeah. So what yeah, so like, I really like, I really like a lot of the stuff that she did early on. Uh, I may get the number wrong, but I believe it was called uh, short term 12. There's a movie where she worked in a group home. I thought she was fantastic in that. Um, she makes me want to buy a Nissan every time that commercial comes on. I'm like, well, let me get one of those because she looks great driving it. And if she came with the car, I'd buy two. <laughs> um, yeah. I mean, I, I just, I think she's pretty classic, like girl next door. Look, I think she's really funny talented so yeah that that's probably the most surprising one i'll have on my list i don't like you to predicted that one so i you did not mention captain captain marvel uh in your list of roles that she's played that that she was great in uh but that's okay never seen it i forgive you um <laughs> all right number four for me um i'm going with really just one of the i certainly uh the greatest uh recent uh woman action star but really like you don't need the modifier like she's one of the greatest action stars Charlize Theron number four on my list you are literally gonna have to tell me what she's in because I don't know who that is she is uh the movie that really like she's in Mad Max Fury Road which is an amazing movie and an amazing performance by her um she is the been the bad guy lately in some of the fast and the furious movies um but really the movie that she just like jumped off the screen for me was we saw atomic blonde which is a night uh it's set uh right when the berlin wall is about to fall and it's just just a spy movie uh it has some some of the best action i've seen uh she has a couple of fight scenes where they basically just like cut the music and you could hear uh, you know the punches like the fist hitting the body and it's really kind of some visceral action uh, but she's just really like one of those you know captivating you just can't look away when she's on screen uh, type people uh, the full range of of acting ability and really just seems like uh, I've, I've heard her interview before and she really just seems like a cool hang uh, so number four on the list for me all right sounds good i didn't get any closer with any of those movies so i'm just gonna look her up after. <laughs> all right <laughs> uh number three on my list this will be no surprise to anybody that's a regular listener of the show taylor swift i don't even know if i have to explain why i mean i have a huge man crush on her <laughs> i think she's supremely talented i think she's super classy i love the way she says exactly what she's thinking she has really grown up over the years from, you know, kind of being the, the pop star. So she really just has like, I don't, so I'm going to, I have enough money that I can tell you whatever I want. And, and she's not afraid to say what she's thinking. And so I, I think she's just gotten hotter over time as she's gotten more confident and just tells people, Hey, I don't give a shit what you got to say. I'm Taylor Swift. So number three on the list, probably okay. not a surprising pick. Not at all. I'm going to put her here. Really, we're starting, like, this whole list has been just, a, it's a top tier, and it could really go in any order. Uh, number three on my list, uh, Rachel McAdams. Great choice. Um, just, uh, we've already talked about her a bit in our uh, movies we love more than you, uh, Wedding Crashers and and, uh, and Mean Girls. Uh, just, uh, just a knockout, just a, 
just the the girl ne- the the girl next door on steroids uh just looks like somebody who you know i would want to do the owen wilson uh you know go ride bikes and hang out at the beach can't say a bad word about her no i mean she's she's a fantastic actress and i and i think mean girls is <laughs> i i mean i think you're right between mean girls and wedding crashers that that's really defined a lot of uh <laughs> a lot of us growing up so if you can't tell that we love those movies th- this list probably points in that direction for uh-huh. sure for sure number two yep number two emma stone and it, i mean zombie land is you know 80 percent of the reason why she's that high on this list because i just thought her character and that was great some of the other stuff i've seen her in is is also really good and i'm blanking a little bit on other things that i really liked her in but i mean i thought her character in zombie land was somebody i could fall in love with pretty easily so emma stone gets number two on the list uh n- easily could have made my list zombie land one zombie land two easy a uh she's in super bad uh and is, is, was probably the biggest omission on your part <laughs> you're right that, that 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 was that was another one i was really thinking of so thank you uh <laughs> you scratch my back i'll scratch yours well the funny <laughs> thing about funny my thing about back. is it's on my cock so <laughs> um great gr- great choice again uh my my wife is very excited to see her uh, play Cruella Deville in the Disney live action uh, movie that they're making about that. So sign me up for any Emma Stone movie for sure. Yep. All right, uh, number two, I'm gonna cheat. Uh, I'm gonna put two uh, two actresses who have played superhero characters just just uh, generation defining. Uh, Carrie Fisher, obviously, who played Princess Leia. Uh, and Gal Gadot, who plays the current iteration of Wonder Woman. Uh, both of them just powerful women, knockouts, uh, you know, in two different kind of franchises that I that I love. Just seem like cool hangs. Uh, you know, the, the Princess Leia uh, slave costume from Return of the Jedi, uh, iconic. Ray, uh, our, our high school friend Ray and I went to a Star Wars celebration uh, a couple years ago in Chicago and the number of you'd be surprised at the number of women who uh, have no qualms about busting out the Princess Leia slave costume uh, to various uh, effects so uh, just just iconic uh, love both of them very nice all right winding down here what you got for number one yeah I mean I said she'd make we, we, it wouldn't be the last we heard of her, and, and here she is again, Rachel McAdams. The number one thing you uh, you left out about Rachel McAdams is that she's Canadian. Oh, I, I did leave that out. You're right. Yeah, Cana- I mean, Canadian women are the best. So, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you, you definitely hit the highlights of the career, like you said. I mean, great girl next door. I mean, I, I think I did fall in love with her character in Wedding Crashers at least 10 times. So, I, I just thought, she, I mean, I... I still hate Bradley Cooper because of how he treated her and wedding crashers. Like I still, I can't stand anything that guy's in. Cause he was a dick. Get out of here sack. Oh my gosh. Just, uh, just the phenomenal. That movie is so good. I don't know. I wish we, we need to figure out some other way to memorialize it, but uh, yeah, just, uh, just great. Um, yeah, I mean, we might have to do an episode just around wedding crashers. I think, I think we could probably go three hours on that. We'd probably go longer than the movie. I it's 
for sure. All right. Uh, number one for me, uh, I just think she's just smoking hot. Amy Adams. Uh, been in a shit ton of movies. I'm actually gonna I'm gonna highlight uh, Night at the Museum, Battle of the Smithsonian as a movie just where she was just looking phenomenal. Um, you know, I I don't particularly love her as Lois Lane in the in the uh, DC movies, but that's mostly an issue with DC movies. Just wow, uh, I I can't even put some words together. So she's number one for me. <laughs> if you can't even put the words together, that that means you got the right person at number one on the list. Yeah. So uh, that 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 brings us to the end of our list. Uh, again, uh, Valentine's Day is a made up holiday, um, and we I I did bring home some some flowers but it was really only uh partly because we had to go get milk for the children and i was like "Ooh, flowers uh uh i know that i'm due for some of those but uh for everybody who enjoys that my sister uh celebrated her first valentine's day with her uh with her new boyfriend and and uh got really into it and i kind of just rolled my eyes and said don't worry you'll get there someday but uh uh, February cannot be done soon enough with this horrible weather. That's all I'm going to say. Yeah, I'm I'm hundred percent over February. This month has been brutal, and I really hope we're not, you know, getting towards uh, the last winter that was like this. Sticks out in my head very much. It was the winter of uh, end of 2013 into the beginning of 2014, because uh, that was the year that my first son was born. And driving him home from the hospital with treacherous highways uh, was really one of the least favorite things that I've had to do over the last, uh, you know, uh, decade or so. Uh, And it was so brutally cold that winter. Uh, Really, during my wife's first maternity leave, we were just trapped in the the house quite a bit because it was so cold you couldn't even bring a baby outside even just to a a warmed-up car. So I really hope... Uh, we're not heading that way. We had black ice and snow in April uh, that winter. Um, and, and really, January was pretty mild. So I'm hoping this is just one erratic big storm. But we'll, we'll find out, I guess. Yeah, I mean, I, I've been looking at the weather heading forward. And we're going to be getting above freezing next week. So, I mean, unless we have something crazy happen, I think we're heading in the right direction for some signs that maybe maybe spring is coming someday. Oh, we can only hope. All right, Andy, anything else before we close this guy out? No, I think this was a good one. Hope everybody enjoyed it. All right. Oh, this has been another episode of Buckeye Dads Discuss, and we'll talk to you guys later. Stay safe, Ohio. Buckeye Dads Discuss is a podcast hosted by Andy and Josh. It's edited by April. You can find us on social media at Buckeye Dads on Twitter. And you can email the show at BuckeyeDadsDiscuss at gmail.com.